You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Earlier this month, the newly formed Flint Saginaw chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists took on the Flint Journal and Flint Beat for running the criminal backgrounds and mugshots of three Democratic candidates vying for state representative seats. Helping us to break this down is chapter chapter president and my former colleague, Ebony Stith. Welcome, Ebony. Hello, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? I'm doing great. That's great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is an important issue, so we definitely had to get you to come on for this. So so before we sort sort of get started um, with this issue, tell us about yourself, what you've done in your career, Mm -hmm. and um, about the newly formed chapter. Yes, so um, my name is Evan Stith, and I have been um, in journalism for over 30 years, and I've worked it through newspapers um, just about all over, the uh, Detroit News, the Indianapolis Star, Palm Beach Post, the Atlanta Sentinel, and um, my job basically was to lay out um, front pages of newspapers, so I have a design background. Um, of course, it's morphed into uh, more uh, t- down the road doing social media and things like that. And so most recently I um, worked at the TV station at um, NBC 25 and 566 and I was their digital content manager. And I was there for about three and a half years and then transitioned here to um, Michigan State College of Human Medicine here in Flint as their um, communications manager for the Flint Registry. So instead of talking about the Flint water crisis through news, I decided to um, be on the other end in helping uh, folks recover from the Flint water crisis. So that's basically um, my job here is to get the communication out for um, what we do here at the Flint Registry. So um, here, we decided that we wanted to have a representation, of course, uh, with the uh, NABJ. I've been part of NABJ just about um, the beginning of my career. And uh, it started actually here at the Flint Journal. And I remember going to um, meetings and um, fellowshipping with other uh, Black journalists here in the community. And um, that was my first uh, take on how, you know, about NABJ. And it's, and it, you know, it's professional development, it's sharpening your skills, and it's also advocating uh, for diversity in the newsroom um, and, you know, bringing up um, concerns and things like that. So it hasn't been in this area for some years, quite a few, quite a few years. And actually, um, I interned at the Flint Journal. That was the last um, time, I think, that the NABJ was here, which was years ago. So um, there's definitely a need because they're uh, Flint and Saginaw, predominantly um, African-American communities. And, you know, representation of an, of an organization like this is really important. So 
um, we formulated a group and we were approved through the National Association of Black Journalists to be official back in October 2019. So actually this Friday is our first um, event, fundraiser event, kind of kicking it off for the new year and say, hey, we're here. We're here to um, uh, do some professional development, um, get uh, kids involved uh, with understanding what, uh, what journalism is all about and kind of being, you know, uh, being advocates in the community. So it's, it's really exciting and we're so glad to be here. Great, great. And mm-hmm. and so you sort of touched up upon this a little bit earlier, um, but I want you to go mm-hmm. into a little bit more depth in terms of um, why it's important to have the chapter in your area, primarily because of um, the African-American communities in Flint and Saginaw and that you all are mm-hmm. a little bit further away from the city of Detroit and, and that mm-hmm. that that area um, was not getting sort mm-hmm. of um, – advocacy in terms of keeping the media accountable. Can you talk a little bit to me to me a little yeah, bit about so, that? Absolutely. So um, as we know, we've been in the news business for many, many years, and especially in uh, newspapers, the decline of people working in the newsroom. So, you know, the big layoff, you know, and and as the years go by, most of those um, newsrooms got less and less diverse. So, um, so here in this area, there wasn't too many, there's, there, there do a lot of stories about, you know, of course the African American community, but there's also some stories that are probably out there that haven't been touched or, or have someone in the newsroom to kind of help, um, navigate, um, ideas and kind of tech you know, connect with the community they serve um, to tell, you know, better content stories or even stories that they might not discover because they're not necessarily a part of that community. So um, being an advocate is kind of being able to um, to assure that uh, the community that these news organizations serve, uh, make sure they serve the entire community, just not a small portion of the community, because as we know, um, diversity is you know, very important. You know, you've got, um, of course, the African-American community, the, the Latin community, you know, we're, we're really diverse and we need to be able to um, tell those stories that are not necessarily told and whether they're positive or negative, um, we need to be able to be, um, be able to reflect, um, reflect that in the reporting that we do. Okay. And so um, we, there has been a couple of weeks ago, we, there was an, a, a little bit of an uproar here in, um, in the Flint area where there was three um, candidates that were running for um, house representative. And um, I had, I happened to notice it on Facebook. And so I went to the website to MLive's website and I see mugshots of the two of the candidates and um, and one uh, just a story about his um, his case, but um, it looked as it appeared as these stories were brand new. Um, but some of these stories uh, happened. One of them happened like 2001. Um, one of them happened in a DUI in 2013. The other one happened like 
recently in, in July of 2019, but it appeared as if they were fresh, brand new stories. And so, uh, and they happen to be all black males. Now, um, do reporter do voters need to know this information? Yes. Um, how it's presented is vitally important, especially um, when you're um, doing a campaign for an election. Everything has to be fair, and that's um, what I've always been taught. Especially many many elections, running elections, like we have to be fair across the board. So um, I figured, you know, hey, <laughs> we're here now. So this is our job to. Um, to kind of point things out so people know that we're watching and that we are um, here to advocate for uh, fairness, um, non-bias, and um, advocacy. So I reached out to the um, newsroom leader and kind of had a conversation about how this might appear for the community and how um, how it upset the community and how he could probably um, better display the information because, like I said, it's important information. We want to be fair. Um, and he took that in. He understand that. He respected that. Um, and they made a change. And so that's what we want. That's what we want. We want to be able to have a dialogue, especially with uh, media organizations, on how to better package stories that are important, that are vital, but they're fair um, and that they're not uh, singling out anyone for whatever apparent reason. So, um, so after talking with him, we had a good conversation. He he also indicated that their newsroom isn't diverse, and that they've been reaching out to um, NABJ to kind of see if any people anybody wants to work for um, MLive. And I'm like, hey, we're here now. <laughs> you know, you can definitely reach out to us, and maybe we can start. Um, collaborating with them on a regular basis. Maybe we can um, inspire some young folks who might want to intern or work for the Flint Journal. So um, that kind of opens up a dialogue. And that's, that's exactly what we want, especially for um, this organization, is being able to open up a dialogue for, um, for news organizations to kind of, you know, get it. They, they understand and, and, and they want to be able to represent fairly the community. Sure. You, and you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to talk about the importance of how um, these images are, are portrayed um, mm-hmm. in the media, um, particularly when it came to the mugshots. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of picture did it give, um, not necessarily just black males, but, but people who are running mm-hmm. for office and it being so close mm-hmm. to the election as well? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it appears on, on the surface, it, it would appear that it would – kind of sway a voter um, when you're showing their right. mugshot two or three days before an election. Right. So talk to me a little bit about right. why it was important for you right. to sort of deal with the issue in sort of real time, mm-hmm. because you're talking about mm-hmm. um, in a matter of days um, between mm-hmm. over the weekend and a Tuesday that they're getting mm-hmm. ready to, to vote. So talk to me a little bit about right. that. Well, yeah, as, as I was talking to him about that, um, it, it, it made it appear that you were singling out, you know, these two black males. Um, of course, you know how sometimes, you know, it appears, you know, to make it the scary, um, the scary black man, don't vote for him. So um, it, it, it kind of made that, real, that um, it had that impression. And, and I told him, you know, I was talking to him, you don't want to, make the decision for the voters. That's not our job as reporters. We don't want to make the decision for the voters. Like, hey, don't vote for these three guys. You know, we don't want to make that decision. And 
um, putting it out there like that um, was obvious um, that we were saying, hey, um, that they were saying, hey, um, don't vote for these three guys, and this is why. And that's not how you're supposed to handle an election, especially, um, you know, especially something so close to an election. And these stories, and I said, even if you, these stories were posted the day before they ran a story of all 11 candidates. And I told them, I said, you just, what you just did was singled them all out. Okay. The day before you featured all um, 11 candidates. And that, you know, that doesn't look good. And and so, so what, mm-hmm. what was their response? They, I think they didn't, under, they didn't really understand because like I said, they don't have any representation in that, in that newsroom to say, Hey, you know, this doesn't look good. You know, they don't have a representation in the newsroom that knows what those biases feel like, you know, especially when you're growing up as you know, a black woman, you know, what those bias and those things feel like and what it might look like. They, if you, you know, if you, if you don't have anybody in that newsroom to know what that feels like and look like, they might not understand. So they, they didn't understand. They were just reporting a story. You know, they were just doing a story of report, but they didn't understand that impact. So, um, so when someone is able to come to them and say, Hey, this is, you know, does it look right? (laughs) This doesn't feel right. And this is why. And once they understood coming from a different perspective they were like oh okay i get it but if there's no representation in the newsroom to say hey you might want to not do that (laughs) and then um they they they, you know they have no clue um but i do know there's there's some uh, members in the saginaw chapter heard and felt the the vibe of the community because there's two there's a um her name is isis she works in the um in the Saginaw um, newsroom, and she she kind of you know like helped you know like under you know kind of helped them like hey you know this this doesn't this doesn't feel right <laughs> so um, being able to be in the newsroom and kind of point those things out um, is is very helpful and we we definitely want to be able to um, be advocates for our community you know we know these stories have to be out there you know we know um, but. It's how you report them sure. and, and how to do them fairly and, and what, what, what their needs, you know, and if there's no one in that newsroom that says, you know, that has knows what that feels like and and kind of like call it out, then, you know, that that's, you know, that's that's a problem. Right. And so were they open to sort of have continuing dialogue with people like yourself in order to make sure that they don't make Absolutely. these kinds of mistakes again? Absolutely. I told him, I said, you know, this is my cell phone. Call me anytime. <laughs> Bounce any ideas or thoughts. Cause I, you know, I'm, I don't work in the newsroom anymore, so I'm not even competition. I'm, I'm now in PR and I work for, you know, a different organization. So I, I'm like the best person who can call, you know, and ask questions because I'm not, you know, I'm not competition. I don't work for any other news organization in the community. So I told him, this is my cell phone. Um, you can call me anytime. And, he was open to that. He was really, really open to that. He definitely wanted to continue to be able to feel comfortable to call me at any time. And they actually, 
um, some of the representatives from MLive, um, I think, are going to be at this event this Saturday. So um, it was a positive outcome, and that's what we want. We want a positive outcome. We want to be able to have a good dialogue um, with uh, news organizations to say, hey, you know, we're not saying don't do your job. We're not saying that, but it's how you how you represent, how you do it, because we just we just know you serve this community, and, and for you to be a trusted source of information um, and feel comfortable to talking to you about a story, because if you you if you made this whole community upset with you about how you report a story, and if you need their information to report a story, they're not going to come to you because they're going to say we don't trust you. We don't like how you do um, your reporting. And so why, why would I come to you to even tell you a story? Because I don't trust that. So I don't think news organizations understand that, uh, especially um, in this community. If, if you lose the trust in the, of the folks that you need stories from, then um, it makes your job much harder. And then you're reporting from a press release than really going out into the community and actually pulling out stories that matter. Yes, and and talk about that a little bit more in depth because Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. already a distrust between the black community and the media to begin with. And Mm -hmm. so when you Mm -hmm. see these stories, um, they say – here go here they go again. You know they're always trying to tear mm-hmm. us down, and and they don't have any mm-hmm. um, reporters of color, so they don't go into mm-hmm. uh, their neighborhoods where mm-hmm. they're represented. Re- represented, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. coupled that, the only time that uh, they don't necessarily um, come out to uh, anything mm-hmm. that is positive in their in their neighborhoods, and and they are done. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's a shooting or or that sort of mm-hmm. thing that goes on, so talk about that distrust right. um, and how and right. how important it is to sort of um, mm-hmm. cultivate mm-hmm. people within the community in order to build that trust. Absolutely. So the best thing I would say, especially a reporter, um, is to just you know go out into the community. You don't necessarily have to. Um, have a story in hand, but go to some of the places and, and spots where people are going to be at, you know, um, and kind of just talk and, and you'll find, you'll find those stories. But if you don't go out and um, you just rely on a press release um, to tell a story, you're not going to get any really good content. And on the other end, I do know that a lot of these news organizations have like story quotas and story counts. You know, you have to have five or six stories on the web. And so that that kind of snatches the the efforts of really getting some really good in-depth reporting because you want to be able to, I remember back in the day, we used to have like special, special reports and people would spend a couple months on investigating and um, trying to get a really good quality story that doesn't hardly exist anymore um there's like story quotas and clickbait type of stories and um you know the the ugly mugshot is what people are going to click on and 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 have a laugh because you know that's you know the clickbait and so i know nabj has um stepped in and kind of trying to get news organizations to get away from that because um just because they have a mugshot they don't necessarily mean they have been convicted from anything. So you're already convicting them in public opinion um, by using their mugshot. So, um, so with that said, is those organizations are going to have to come up with some other ways to 
engage um, the readers and the viewers uh, better um, than than just a quick click story because um, that's what we need. And so we're not going to trust you. You know, the community is not going to trust you if you all you're doing is trying to just find a sensational story just to report. Um, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some digging. And so that is our job to kind of keep pushing the envelope and kind of um, being out there to um, being out there to push what good reporting looks like. And, um, and it's time to kind of reel that in. I know, you know, people want things quick, fast, in a hurry, but, you know, there's, uh, I, I remember looking um, up some information about journalism, you know, the ethics of journalism. There's, journalism should do no harm. You know, that, that was in my um, uh, press release. And um, we should publish and broadcast um, our publishers and broadcasts may be harmful, but we should always be aware of the impact of our words and images on the lives of others. And that was actually in on the um, Ethical Journalism Network website. And that was like the five core principles of journalism. We need to get back to that. Absolutely. Um, we need to get back. We need to get back to that because right now what you're doing is you're harming, you know, you could have done um, harm. Because a lot, some of those um, representatives, they've done that. They use those mugshots. That was an incident, or probably a, a, a personal bad time in their life. But they have also done X, Y, and Z in their life that wasn't reported. You know that. You know it was just the. It was actually the story was based on the police report. Okay. They didn't have what they. They didn't have what they did since. Since the uh, arrest, they didn't have what they're doing now. They didn't have any of that. So it they lacked the context. So it 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 hmm? so it lacked the context upon right. It lacked the context and the content um, of that. And um, I told him actually when I talked to the newsroom, I gave him a suggestion. I said, I know because I know the Flint Journal got in big trouble for not reporting um, an incident uh, that that um, caused a big, huge uproar of somebody having a, a criminal record and he didn't report it. Right. So it was the adverse. And so this is what they do, which I get fine. But when you did that 11, I gave him the suggestion. I said, when you reported all 11 candidates, you asked them, you know, what, you know, what their stance were. You gave a little bit about uh, what they, what they stand for in that little blurb of their picture and information about them, you should say Flint Journal does a criminal background check. This is what we found and have little bullets of what they what happened and what you found. And that's it. Sure. All of it's fair because you reported on all 11. You did background checks on all 11. And here's our little editor's note of what we found. Found nothing. Found something. That's it. OK. That's all you need to do. Right. Right. You know. So I gave him that suggestion. He was like, oh, okay. okay. And actually they changed their article and, and added that. <laughs> right. That's that's effective. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. And so absolutely. and so sort of going back to the race, what was the outcome of the race and were any of the people that had their mugshots um were they affected by um what was done in the paper? Um, I can't I don't know if anybody would have been had a different outcome from from the article um so i'm not quite sure uh but um they didn't win 
they didn't win um, the nomination. It was a pr- primary. So um, uh, the mayor's wife here in Flint, the new mayor's wife here in Flint was, um, was nominated. So there's going to be another um, election with her and a Republican. So there's no really cue if it had any effect okay. because Flint kind of Flint is uh is really interesting. Flint is Flint is really interesting. And so even though they might have decided to think that okay, um, it might have been an outcome. Flint folks who know these people were going to vote for them anyway because they know them personally. Sure. Sure. So um, it may or may not have had effect. I don't know, but um, but um, you know the ad. I think the only adverse was the you know the disgruntled feelings that that were 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 caused by um, by the report. Hey, it might have actually added them a couple more votes. I don't know, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> people were so upset. <laughs> that that might have so, yeah. happened. You know. Right. It might have happened. It might have got an extra two or three votes because people were upset. People were literally people who said that they weren't even going to vote for that person was upset about the reporting. So that's how so that's how they affected. And it wasn't just African-Americans in the community. It was black. It was white. It was it was just a number of people who were upset. It wasn't just it wasn't just the black community. It was people who actually know these people uh, were upset at how it was reported. So it wasn't even just a black or white thing. It was just a community thing. Sure, sure. And mm-hmm. so and so in a broader sense, talk to me about what all of this means in terms of shaping Flint, particularly since the entire nation knows mm-hmm. about the, the water crisis. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, so you've seen for the last several years um, the face of essentially poverty, um, of an urban mm-hmm. crisis in terms of the water and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. nationally, people have already have a sense of, you know, of a downtrodden type of area. And then you add on to it, you mm-hmm. know, three people who are running for state rep, um, you right. know, are, are now are, um, have run into mm-hmm. some sort of trouble. So talk to me about in a broader mm-hmm. sense, what, what this, this sort of does to Flint, um, well, you know, Flint, we are um, fighters, no matter what. We are we're fighters, and the people who live and work and are part of this community already know what kind of people we are, despite what the what the world thinks of us. So, um, and we're gonna do regardless. Um, but it is important to kind of change the narrative of how um, how we report communities. Um, and how we shape them. I know the dire it is, the the more um, the more people will read or see it, see it because the the situation in Flint was horrific, and we're 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 still recovering from it. I mean, it was it is it, it, it has impacted not only physically, mentally, and it's it's a huge recovery that is that's taking place right now so even um even from the surface if you were to come here you know you don't you know we're real we're, we're building 
but there's people that are still in pain and they're still hurt and they're still going through um, travesties, you know, just like any community, there's poverty and, um, and it's time to like change, you know, change the narrative on how we're going to help these communities and what people are doing to help these communities. And I think those stories need to um, be reported and come out um, even more so people can say, hey, I want to contribute to this um, foundation or this entity because they're bringing resources or they're doing things positive for the community. So I think reporters and, um, you know, even though the positive stories don't get necessarily the clicks, but those stories are still matter and they still, in the if you do them the right way, um, can can garner just as much traffic. But, um, and I think too, um, especially working here at the Flood Registry, um, we we strive to um, to uplift and show the positive because there are wonderful kids here. There are wonderful people here that are doing and working and um, doing the best that they can. And we want to always reflect that, always reflect that. So um, even with with I do with my communications that always go out, I don't want to, I try to always show the positive. Um, and I think that, um, and we've been getting a lot of news coverage too, because, you know, we, we're trying to show the positive. We're trying to show that we're, we're trying to recover. We're trying to give recovery. And I think more stories like that um, in the community, whether that's Flint, Baltimore, Chicago, or whatever, those stories need to be shared sure. and told. Sure. Um, and, you know, maybe help change the narrative. <laughs> sure, sure. And so mm-hmm. um, moving past this particular incident, um, let's mm-hmm. sort of t- talk about um, your the new chapter um, now that okay. you've taken on this issue. So what are your plans yeah. going forward? Um, what types, mm-hmm. what more um, things do you have planned? I know you said you have a, a mixer coming up real soon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. tell me about what, tell me about this chapter. Um, how many people that are mm-hmm. in the chapter and um, mm-hmm. some of the things that you're planning on planning on doing. Yeah. So um, this new chapter um, we have, and we're like, when I say brand new, we're brand new. So <laughs> um, the core group of us is our um, e-board. So we've got um, the six of us. So I'm the president. And then we have Bob Johnson is the uh, Vice VP of Broadcast. We have Jamal Bradford. He's the VP of VP of Broadcast. Um, no, I'm sorry. Bob Johnson is the VP of Print. Okay. And um, Jamal is the VP of Broadcast. And so we have. Um, why is it leaving me? We have Jamie Sherrod. She's our secretary. Um, CJ Stone, he's our treasurer, and uh, Jasmine um, Brown, she's our parliamentarian. And so um, that's our core group. And um, we have about 40 people in our, over 46, about 46 people in our Facebook group that um, potentially have said we are interested and we want to join. And the mixer is a 
filling out your application. Okay, right. <laughs> paying your paying your dues. Right. And becoming a full member. <laughs> so um, that's part of the mixer slash um, membership drive, basically. And so there will be a deadline, of course, to get everybody uh, fully, fully full members by at least January the 31st. And so, um, so we're hoping that all 46 folks will uh, become full members. You mean 45, because I can't uh, make it. Okay, 45, 45. 45, because I, and then we might have to change it for 45 because of other reasons, but you know, you know. Okay, right, right, right. We'll say 46, 46. 46. So, um. (laughs) <laughs> so we're trying to um, make sure we get everybody because um, we had so we had to get a bank account. We, we know we're finally set up with that. We're finally set up with PayPal. We're literally within weeks getting all that set up because we had to get paperwork and all that good stuff. So we're finally set up on that end. So now we can start collecting dues. So this is like, okay, we can collect dues now. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, right. So we've got that together. Um, and so we're hoping we've invited the Saginaw mayor is so said he's coming. And then we've got Detroit, uh, not Detroit, but the Clinton uh, mayor, he said he was coming and a lot of folks who are in PR and um, journalism plan to, t- plan to attend. And then even a couple of folks who work for like the Flint, um, Genesee Chamber of Commerce are coming um, there is a snowstorm on the radar, and I'm hoping that won't deter anyone. Right. Um, but we're hope- we're hoping they still come. Um, so it's open to anyone who wants to just kind of learn a little bit about us and um, mix around and kind of um, help us get started. Our goal for the year is to um, start having professional development um, teaching. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Teaching people, I got a little cough. <clears throat> teaching people the ins and outs. Excuse me. Take your time. Of journalism and PR. And working with them. Okay. Just lost my voice. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, what types of things do you hope will come out of all of this? And um, what type of help do you think you may need? We definitely need um, financial help, of course. We definitely need financial help because in order for us to do programs and move forward, we definitely need financial help. So if people can donate, people can, um, you know, come to our mixer or whatnot, but we definitely need financial help so we can start collaborating and um, doing some programs. Our goal too is to do um, scholarships for kids um, who are interested in uh, journalism and PR. So um, we're hoping we can definitely, um, you know, do do more in the community. Okay. And as we wrap up, um, give us give uh, our Listeners, um, your final thoughts on everything that we talked about today and um, a little bit more information on how uh, people can get involved with ABJ if they're interested. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Definitely um, support the NABJ efforts. 
definitely come out to our event this Saturday and um, just uh, just support what um, advocacy for good journalism. Okay. And, and your final thoughts on everything that we talked about? Absolutely. I, um, I just, you know, as far as final thoughts, I'm, you know, I'm really proud of this group. We, we worked hard to get it started. I look forward to a year of some really good um, programming and connecting and getting involved in the community and just, you know, connecting with our community too. Cause a lot of folks, you know, we, we report the stories, but they don't get to know <clears throat> any of the people you know, who, you know, the reporters and everything that talks. So being able to just um, open ourselves up to kind of help young minds want to get, be a part of journalism. Um, I did get, I did, was in contact with um, the Michigan State uh, president for NABJ. There's a president, uh, NABJ at uh, Michigan State University. She wants uh, professionals to come and do like a mock career fair. So Things like that. They, she didn't have that connection before, so now she's able to have a connection. And we're only thirty minutes away, so uh, being able to do something like that um, and being here and um, being able to uh, be a model for young young journalists who want to, you know, do the right way and report the right way, and so that's that's our job to kind of advocate for that. Okay. Well, thank you, Ebony. I appreciate you. You're welcome. You know, coming on coming on the show. Um, I want to say that I certainly understand where you are because I've sat in your shoes as as the Detroit pra- Detroit president of uh, NABJ years and years ago. Oh, so you. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I, I understand completely everything that you're going through. Um, yeah, and uh, and 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 the issues that you've taken on. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things that, that I would instruct people in the community on is, is to challenge our media in terms of, um, how we cover, particularly in Detroit. Um, Detroit right. kind of gets talk, kinds of, kind of gets covered through its institutions, the fire department, the police Absolutely. department, um, the school right. board, um, city council, the mayor, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to get beyond that and go into the neighborhoods and find the stories that are going yeah, on absolutely. Um, with the, with um, other people that live within the community versus how we sort of um, cover the slice of life um, in the mm-hmm. suburban areas in Metro Detroit. And so that that mm-hmm. is what I see um, as as mm-hmm. an important way of sort of um, getting better at, at what we do. Um, and and trying to make sure that that there is a, a place and a voice for um, African American people to and, and Latino Absolutely. people to to be able to um, get their information out. And so, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. that is that is to me that's that's the key. Um, the key is to try to Absolutely. be try to be balanced in what we do. Absolutely, and that's that's all people want us to do: is be balanced, be fair, um, and that's it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you um, being on the show um, this afternoon. Absolutely. And well, thank uh, you for having me. Absolutely. And and with that, we're going to wrap up uh, this latest edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. As we leave Beyond the Headlines this week, I want to give you, as we always do, an inspirational quote that you can ponder this week. This one is from Dr. Benjamin E. Mays the former president of Morehouse College. It must be borne in mind 
that the tragedy of life does not lie in reaching your goal. The tragedy of life lies in having no goal to reach. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.